Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Ani, Mad Shaman Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy, sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining us for yet another round of cocktails, yummy, yummy, on this week's Metaphysical Martini. The show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo. In today's Baby Boy Trudeau is about to eat some crow. All around the globe, truckers are proving they are not suckers. We are seeing a great deal more facial nudity, and that's a good thing after witnessing two years of mind-numbing stupidity. What happened to Boris Johnson's brain? It would be so wonderful if Jacinda Arden would get run over by a train. People are showing some defiance, and now let's all engage in mass non-compliance. Oddball little world. As always, we try to do this with as much dignity and decorum as can be mustered on any given day. We are not always successful, I'll admit to that, but we are honor bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, the Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love the odd shot every now and then. In fact, hang on, let me have a little sip of my drinky poo. Ooh, lovely. Well, darlings, if you're listening in for the first time, a very warm welcome to you. Be advised, we don't do politically correct on this show, as we do not wish to erode our intellect. Martini heads, we are straight shooters. We know how the world works. We know who runs it. We know why. And we are committed to exposing deep state shenanigans and restoring America to her sacred purpose. This show is a no-cow-poo zone. Please don't mistake our direct approach for rudeness. However, we are not rude. We value common courtesy, common sense, and common decency. In fact, honestly, we're common folk. Common folk with no fancy frills and no affectations. And we are sick and tired of people falling for the same political garbage spewed out year after year by greedy sociopaths pretending to be public servants. It's way past time to round them up and string them up after the proper tribunals and sensitive, you know, sentencing and all of that sort of thing. You know, the legal stuff. You know, of course, we have to go through that. Now, what is this show all about? Well, the bulk of it is a question and answer. Peeps from all over the world send in their questions, and after a few sips of my cocktail du jour, I will attempt to answer them. 
We also have Tarot A Go Go segment, as tarot is, for a great many people, their first step into the metaphysical world, and we want to make those first steps as easy as possible for them. And in addition, we rotate segments on philosophy, mysticism, spiritual rituals, amusing, weird, and wacky tidbits, really bad poetry, most of which I write myself, and anything else we can come up with as we honor, first and foremost, the Holy Spirit, while imbibing top-quality distilled spirits. And we always end with the recipe for the cocktail of the day. Well, darlings, let's get right to it, shall we, with quack questions, answers, and comments. If you would like to share the contents of your fabulous minds on this galactically renowned show, send your emails to me, oni at oniavadician.com, or if you prefer snail mail, send your postcards and letters to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, U.S. of A. Land of the free, home of the brave. And let us know if and how you wish to be identified. Or we shall refer to you as OPD, Omit Personal Details. Well, should we get on with it? I mean, you know, let's go Brandon and all that, or as they say in Canada, allons-y, Brando. Où se cache le joli garçon? Où est Trudeau? Where is the little dictator hiding? Is he hiding from the people? Or is he hiding from his Luciferian overlords? How many doubles does Trudeau have? Because he's so incredibly pretty. I mean, he's scared right now, isn't he? You see, Trudeau, we should have told you this a long time ago, but you take the devil's money, matey, and you play the devil's games, and people will wake up, and you will eventually hang your head in shame. You know what? That reminds me of a song I learned when I was a little girl. It was some sort of American song um, when I was growing up in London. I think it was the Kingsman that did it, and I think it was a song about Tom Dooley, Let's see how that goes. Do, 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 do. Well, let's see if we can pull this off just for a bit of fun. Hang down your head, Justin Trudeau. Hang down your head and cry. The truckers are coming for you. When they find you, your ass is pie. You tried to poison your people. You told them they had no choice. You thought they were all just sheeple, but they're wolves and they have a voice. Hang down your head, Justin Trudeau. Hang down your head and cry. Oh, Dieu, le joli garçon pleure. The truckers are coming for you. And when they find you, mate, your ass is pie. All you can say is get jabbed and boosted while you are there, la, 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 la. So now walk down the street and you'll get stabbed. Canadians don't easily scare. Altogether, hang down your head, Justin Trudeau. Hang down your head and cry, boo-hoo. The truckers are coming for you. And when they find you, your pretty little tight ass is pie. <laughs> a bit of fun. All right, where was I? And how did I get to that from questions, answers, and comments? 
Let's do the questions, answers and comments. Let's shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and see what pops out. We started this show specifically for questions and answers, by the way. You know, this new world order agenda, it's been polarizing people for so long, dividing us, making us hate each other, shutting down all the narratives except the official state sanctioned BS. You know, we don't do any of that PC rubbish on the show. We the people, we are free to discuss anything we want. Nothing is taboo. Free speech, free will, sovereignty. Because in a society with a working moral compass, anyone talking rubbish is simply ignored. And the people who play at being public servants, clearly they have no moral compass. They have an insatiable desire for money and for power and for strange and kinky sex. They are so lost in the spiritual scheme of things, most of them will never find their way back. Not in this lifetime anyway. So, all right, let's see what's on your mind, people. Shaking up the fishbowl. Let's see what's coming out. Uh, our first email is from a chap called Milton. Now that, my friends, that's an ancient Anglo-Saxon name, Milton. I do believe it's something to do with mill towns. So your ancestors were millers. How fabulous. All right. Milton asks, dear Ani, my question is about energy attachments. After two years of being unemployed, I managed to find a job in sanitation at my local hospital. Well done, Milton. The work is not very demanding. The pay is decent and most of the people are OK to work with. What troubles me is this. Ever since I took the job, I can't shift the feeling that I'm being followed. Ooh. Milton goes on to say, I have never experienced this feeling before. At first, I just ignored it. New job, new people, just nerves, right? I would go home, have a cup of tea, take a hot shower, make my dinner and forget all about it. And it didn't happen every day. Well, that changed when they moved me to a new department. I am part of the team that disposes of anatomical waste. Aha! I make sure the waste is properly binned before taking it to incineration. Now, Arnie, I don't want to sound like a nut job because I am not a nut job. But in addition to the feeling of being followed, I swear the body parts are talking to me. And, you know, they're in great pain. I can feel their pain. And I feel I should do something about it, but I don't know what. I can only hope that incinerating them gives them peace. And Arnie, I can't believe I just wrote that, but that's what I feel as I process the bins. Sometimes, not often, but sometimes I get glimpses like very short videos of accidents and arguments. Now, I ask my workmates in a sort of roundabout, casual, joking way if they ever saw or felt anything weird working here. And they just laughed it off and said, oh, mate, it's a bit odd at first, but you'll get used to it. Don't let your mind wander. Pretend it's something else. Arnie, I never thought I would find myself writing to someone like you, but my mum's neighbour knows a lot about paranormal activity, and she told me it could be an attachment. I'm not really sure I understand what that is, but is this something you can help me with? I would like to keep this job until I find something better. All right, Milton. Wow, that's 
that's interesting stuff right there. Um, an energy attachment is when a part of something that someone else has attaches to you and disrupts your energy anatomy. Now, hospitals, I used to spend so much time in hospitals, I mean, hours in hospitals before this mask mandate. Um, but these hospitals, they're notorious angels versus demons arenas. There's so much uncertainty in hospitals, isn't there? Fear, terror, grief. All manner of unsettling emotions float around in hospitals. And people are never at their best in hospitals. And if you're not in a good place emotionally, probably you'll pick up some sticky residue. So you're working in the disposal of anatomical waste. Well, anatomical waste basically is a pretty way of saying parts of the human that are removed during surgery. Tissue, tumors, growths, diseased flesh, amputated limbs, blood, pus, disgusting stuff, and so forth. Now, Milton wants something is out of the body and no longer part of a living human. It decays. And just as rotting animal carcasses attract flies and insects, the same happens with untreated human carcasses. Now, in your sterile hospital setting, I mean, you know, I know you don't let the discarded body parts fester. I know you properly bin them and cremate them. But until they are cremated, they will attract the non-physical bugs. And if you work in close proximity, those bugs can attach to you. And it is quite possible you will experience discomfort. And that feeling of being followed could have a lot to do with that. I also have to ask you, Milton, if you've ever experienced any type of sixth sense, because, I mean, I understand general discomfort, but you are telling me that you can identify specific emotions and you're also having visions. So going out on a limb, uh, no pun intended, I think your intuition is opening up. And if that's the case, and I believe it is, please don't make the mistake of fighting it. Because intuition is part of cosmic connection. It's a very big part. Um, there's no need to be flipped out by what we perceive to be paranormal. Paranormal simply means things we are not familiar with, things not normal to us. The universe is filled with wonders and weirdness. And just because we see something or hear something with our sixth sense, it doesn't mean we are supposed to interact with it. Look, we don't interact with everything our physical senses perceive, do we? I mean, if you go into a public building with hundreds of people in it, you don't have to go up to each one and say, oh, my God, I can see you. Is there something I can do for you? What planet are you from? Do you have a message for me? No, you don't do any of that. You just deal with the person you came to see. You do your business with them and then you go home. So we want to think of the paranormal in the same way. We don't necessarily need to relate to them in a different way. So let's take some steps to make this comfortable for you, Milton. Now, you said you took a shower as soon as you went home. That's an excellent idea. Throw your clothes into the washing machine, take a nice hot soapy shower and scrub your back with one of those scrubby brushes because attachments love spinal fluid. And then put on your gin jams and make yourself a cup of tea. And that will take care of any of the sticky residue from the day. Now, let's address the talking body parts. What fun. 
Um, Milton, darling, rest assured the body parts are not actually talking to you. It's not like one of those horror movies. You're picking up on emotional, residual emotions from the patient, the medical team, of course, and also who knows what else. I mean, trauma lingers and heavy trauma does tend to imprint. I could compare the voices to an imprinted audio file and your mini visions around amputated limbs to residual hauntings in old castles, you know, where the pink lady comes down the stairs at 4 p.m. every day, wails and moans, pulls out her hair, and then disappears. You know, the trauma in those incidences um, are so great. An image is imprinted, sometimes audio, sometimes visual, sometimes both. But it's just an imprint. You can't interact with it. It's not a live haunting it's not happening. It's just a historical archive. So in the morning, on your way to work, take plenty of deep, slow, purposeful breaths. This clears and strengthens your aura. And this means your energy anatomy will vibrate above the waste you have to handle, which means the little other world bugs won't be able to attach to you. Now, those are broad strokes. And it does help to know how these things work. It does take the weirdness out of it. And it would help you very much, Milton, to learn the basics of human energy anatomy. So in a private email, I'll send you some book suggestions for that. And I'll forward my deep breathing protocol. Um, it's not exciting, you know, but the best way to keep your energy clear is daily deep breathing. The breathing in turn, which clears the aura, will ignite your spirit spark and strengthen your connection to supreme cosmic intelligence, without which life is nothing more than an endless chain of disappointment and unnecessary suffering. Tell me about it. So let me know when you receive my suggestions and we can chat a bit more about it. But meanwhile, be excited knowing that your intuitive skill set is opening up. It means a whole new world is opening up for you. And darling, you have so much more to look forward to in life than binning and incinerating anatomical waste for the NHS. Just a thought, Milton. If you had worked as a gardener instead of in biohazard disposal and your newly developed intuition had shown you fairies and gnomes, instead of uncomfortable emotions and visions of accidents. I wonder if you would have taken it seriously or just blown it off as too much fertilizer in your lungs. You know, something to think about, something to think about. Milton, you are perfectly sane. All of this is um, manageable. It's magical too, but it's totally manageable. And I look forward to uh, to an email from you once you receive my suggestions. Thanks, matey, for your question. All right, let's shake up the fishbowl and see what else comes out of it. This is from Omit. And Omit says, Arnie, it seems the Canadian truckers have started a worldwide movement. Any idea how it will end? Um, No. <laughs> Any speculation at this point is redundant. There is so much finally, actually, really going on behind the scenes. Not even the Earth monitors in Nirvana in heaven can keep up with it. It's uh, misinformation left, right and center. Everyone trying to spook each other out. 
But I will say this, the truckers, God bless them. We stand on guard for the Canadian truckers. They are committed to, to staying there until uh, Le Jolie Garçon Sans Honneur steps down or until the puppet government eliminates all these illegal, immoral, evil mandates. I don't believe the truckers will step down until they achieve that goal. The white hat top brass are watching closely. The truckers' actions could eliminate the need for a full-out military coup. It's a shame I was kind of looking forward to that, but it could eliminate the need for it. Um, and as you said, it has started convoys of freedom in many countries, and including civilians in their cars, showing up outside their country's administrative HQs. You know, that thing that passes for government these days. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, that in some parts of the world, peeps are ignoring the mandates completely. As a friend of mine said today, um, the spell is losing its shimmer. Um, you know, and in these places, uh, finally, the narrative is crumbling uh, like coffee cake at a church social, while the other half of the world has gone into full metal jacket mode. It's really interesting to watch people like Jacinda Arden, who's number one on my kick you in the head list. Um, these public servants telling people, if you are not death jabbed, you are a menace to society. We will go out of our way to exclude you from society. You are persona non grata. And any question you pose to the leaders of Australia and New Zealand and um, Le Joli Garçon Trudeau, any question is met with the response, get the death jab and then get the booster jab. So you could ask them, oh, hello, evil people. What about distribution and chain supply? Their answer will be, it will be sorted out if you take the death jab. Oh, hello, world leaders. What about the mating habits of overweight puffins? And their answer is, it will be sorted out if you take the death jab. Um, what about the price of meat these days? Get the death jab and the price will go down. Oh, look, I have an ingrown toenail. Ah, the best way to deal with that is to get the poison jab. Does anyone know the correct cooking time and temperature for the Sunday roast? If you get the jab, we can download that information directly into your hijacked brain. These people are terrified about bloody time, too. They are up against the wall. All they know how to say is get the vaccine, get the booster, get the vaccine, get, get the booster. That's it. They're stuck on that. Baffles me, though, how many people still don't understand the agenda behind these events. Are they afraid of a truth? I mean, that's a thing, isn't it? People being afraid of the truth. People starve the beast. You are begging for crumbs under a fully laden table. Starve the beast. Reclaim your feast. It's OK to admit you were wrong. I have been wrong so many times in my life. I mean, I'm a genius at being wrong. But you've got to own up. You've got to admit it. You've got to be a better person. Don't let the ego prevent your growth and stunt mankind's evolution. We've all been duped at some point in our lives, my darlings. Don't sit on it. Deal with it. And while I'm on this rant, to all the medical workers following orders and raking in dollars by adding COVID-19 to your paperwork, if you know anything about medicine, 
you know you have condemned millions to death, not just by jabbing them with this misrepresented filth, but by denying them cheap, effective medication, which would have knocked this bug right out of the ballpark in under a week. Shame on you. And to the police forces of the world, you live in the community. You can't hide in your barracks. You're not the army. If you are guilty of going against the people you have sworn to serve and protect, if you have acted as the ugly jackboot of the state, what do you think will happen to you on the other side of this? Believe me, my little people in blue, there will be the other side to this. Take a peek back into recent history and find out what happened to the officers who supported dictatorships. It's not too late to do the right thing. I promise you, your actions will not be forgotten. And you will see that your actions have consequences and it won't be pretty. It won't go well for you. All of you people, listen up. Listen up right now. If you know you're acting against your inner moral code, stand up now and choose to serve the light. The light is forgiving. The dark lord you currently serve is not. All right, hurrah for the Canadian truckers. I don't know how it's going to end, but I'll tell you how I think it's going to end. I, it's going to end with um, the collapse of the cabal. All right, what else do we have in the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity? Let me give it a bit of a shake. Uh, this is from Aidan, who lives in Tallahassee. Tallahassee, I don't know where that is. Oh, I think it's Florida. Okay. Anyway, Aidan asks, Dear Arnie, we've had an increase of break-ins in our neighborhood, mostly drug-related. My girlfriend is a white witch. She is new to it, but learning. She says, if I sprinkle sea salt around the perimeter of my property, it will deter burglars. I'll try anything once, but is this just silliness or is there something to it? Aidan. Well, I mean, the sea salt alone, it's just salt. So I assume she's performing some sort of protection spell and salt sprinkling is part of that. If intentions are set correctly and with confidence and in alignment with all that is, then it will be beneficial. And it spells they're essentially another form of prayer. It's who you pray to. That's what defines magic as white or black. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, perhaps you could ask her to explain the process a little better to you. Because, you know, Aiden, it is, after all, your property. And if something is being done to it, you need to understand it fully. And you need to be okay with it. In my part of the world, we certainly see the value in white light spells, but we also believe, um, especially in today's screwball world, um, well, we see value in a good slide action shotgun too. Um, I just say, get your girl to, to explain this a little better to you. You need to know what intentions are being set in your home. And as for being a white witch, fantastic. Go, Wiccans everywhere. Hurrah and huzzah, Lord and Lady, join with nature and let's make the world a better place. All righty, let's uh, check again here. Let's uh, have a look in here. What have we got? What have we got? Okay, here's another email. And this is from a lady called Ginny with a 
with a G, who's from Lake Worth. No idea where that is. Um, and Ginny asks, oh, this is another crime related. Uh, Oni, crime has gone up in my neighborhood. My partner says we should buy a gun. I'm thinking about it. I have never owned one. My family does not have a gun culture. There are no hunters in my tribe. If things get worse, I might consider a long gun. I'm writing to ask if you have any tips for non-lethal home defense. We are not at battle stations yet, but it is a concern. Interesting um, question to ask a shaman. You obviously have seen some of my work on the Second Amendment and how much I support that. So, Ginny, here's my advice. First and foremost, take all the steps that can be taken to make your property as burglar proof as possible. If they can't break in, well, that's the best possible case scenario, isn't it? Prevention is always the best option. So take good advice and make prevention your priority. I would also advise putting cameras up at all of the entry points. That's not expensive these days. Um, and this will help you identify any wannabe thieves. It's good for the police and it's good for the residents of your hood. Now, you asked about non-lethal force. Um, how close you want to get to the home invader is a consideration. To me, non-lethal force means one of two things, taking someone down and possibly damaging their bodies without ending their mortal life, or option two, spooking them out so they turn and run away. I think it would be a good idea to check the local laws with your sheriff's department to see which option is best for you. When I first came to America, um, some three decades ago and counting, I was told that during a home intrusion, if my life was in danger, I had the right to shoot to kill and in fact was advised by the police to do just that, um, you know, in case the criminal lived and decided to sue me. I was told point blank, uh, no pun intended, there can only be one side to the story and if the other person's dead, then, you know, we just have to take your word for it. Um, you know, unpleasant things to talk about, but in today's reality with crime going up, I understand why you would want to discuss this. Any type of projectile you throw at the invader, you run the risk of seriously injuring or killing. So non-lethal, I don't know, you know? I mean, you could use a slingshot filled with rocks instead of a shotgun or pistol, but if your aim is good, and you have no business playing with these toys unless your aim is good, if your aim is good, it could kill. So it's not such an easy question. And in my mind, the root of it is this. It's all very well to say non-lethal force is best, but what measures are you prepared to take to defend your family, to defend your property? You have to be comfortable with whatever decision you make. If you're saying non-lethal force is the only way to go, then you are actually potentially signing your own death warrant. And if you're okay dying as opposed to killing somebody else so that you and your family can stay alive, well, then that's the decision you have to be comfortable with. 
So having taken all the necessary precautions, having made sure that your homestead is as burglar proof as possible, having taken classes in situational awareness, which I highly recommend, um, are you prepared to use lethal force if that is what it takes to defend your family? And you don't need a gun for lethal force. One of those cast iron skillets that we take camping, that will take down the Incredible Hulk if you swing it properly. But you have to get close to your attacker. If you're fit, strong and agile, that might not be an issue. But if you, like me, are a little older, a little fatter, a little slower, a ranged weapon might be a better option. Back to non-lethal force. Have a conversation with your local expert about stun guns and pepper sprays. I mean, I thought at one point a cattle prod would be a good idea. I thought, oh, it's 30 inches long. I wouldn't have to get that close to someone and I could shock them and then they would fall down. And then I could call the police while they're down. But then I found out that cattle prods are not stun guns. Cattle prods cause pain at the point of contact, but they don't have enough voltage to spasm the muscles in the entire body, which is what you want. Because when you're being attacked and you want to save your life, you want the attacker to be incapacitated for as long as possible until help arrives. Um, and, you know, sometimes help isn't going to arrive if you live in the country. You might just want them to be incapacitated so you can wrap them up in duct tape, um, you know, and throw them in the back of the car and then take them to the police. Who knows? Uh, industrial size pepper spray is also a good option. Um, you can get ones now that are the size of a small fire extinguisher. The tiny ones, trust me on this, they're a waste of money. Don't do it. You could also purchase and learn to use a baton. One of those expandable batons is a fearsome tool. Um, and also look into tactical flashlights. Some of those can blind you for several minutes. I mean, I still have my 20-year-old mag light, which, you know, blinds me every time I test the batteries. Um, whatever you decide, whatever you decide, uh, take advice first from your local sheriff as to the law. Then take advice from your local safety firearms instructor. Every town has one in America. Trust me. And whatever you decide on, take the training courses and practice often. Learn situational awareness. Use all the preventative measures at your disposal. Pick your um, if it goes down bad weapon and learn how to use it. Practice often. I can't stress this enough. You know, chances are if someone breaks into your home, it will be late at night or early morning. You will be asleep when you hear the noise. Your bladder will be full and you will have slept on your dominant arm and your fingers will be numb. You will be on high alert. You will be anxious. And this is why we don't buy weapons and stick them in the wardrobe in case we need them. We become familiar with them. We learn everything there is to know about them. So at 4 a.m. with a full bladder, with pins and needles in your dominant hand, with children screaming in fear, the last thing you need to worry about is where the heck is the safety on this thing and is it loaded and racked? Well, as I said, not the usual question on a shaman radio show. But then again, this is not your usual shaman radio show, is it? And today's world is full of volatile people with empty heads, empty hearts and mouths full of pre-programmed state bullshit propaganda. We are really at a new level of crazy. Um, all of that said, please understand this because it's very important. There is a big difference between living in fear in a constant state of threat perception and being prepared. 
there is a difference between building a fortress to protect you from the big bad people out there and taking sensible steps to secure the perimeter of your property. So don't succumb to fear because fear freezes people and it makes them do stupid things. And sometimes it does actually freeze them in place, too frightened to make the moves necessary for their safety. We didn't come down to Earth to remove ourselves from the world at large, tempting though it might be right now. We came down to raise the vibration above the dysfunction, and there are many ways to do that. Uh, not inviting drama into our lives, into our homes. That's a good start. I want to thank you for the question, uh, Ginny. And, um, and hey, you know, with everything else you do for your safety, don't forget to bless your home. Don't forget to make it an oasis of light. Now, some people out there, some energy workers say, don't do that because the light will illuminate your home and make it an easy target. They don't know what they're talking about because that's not true. Burglary is a low vibration. The light is a high vibration. And sometimes that vibration is high enough to be invisible to those misguided individuals who believe they have a right to other people's property. Okay, let's stir up the fishbowl and see what else pops up. We have had more questions than usual this last couple of weeks. Um, this is another one from an omit, an omit of personal details who asks, hey, <laughs> hey, what are your feelings about marijuana? Do you feel marijuana should be legally available to every adult everywhere in the world and throughout the known cosmos? <laughs> Were you high when you wrote this omit? Um, Yes, actually, I do. I believe it should be legal to everyone of legal drinking age um, for recreational purposes. And if you are old enough for a beer and a shot, why shouldn't you be allowed to possess and use cannabis? Every police officer I've spoken with, and I've spoken with many, tells me they're not bothered by pot smokers, not really. When people get high, all they want to do is curl up on the sofa with a giant bowl of dip and a giant bag of chips. They don't really bother anyone. The beauty with marijuana, and probably why it's been suppressed, is the medicinal properties. You know, the human body has cannabinoid receptors. I don't think it has OxyContin receptors. Um, you know, I, for one, in my practice, have seen miracles happen when clients have switched from hard meds with multiple side effects to pure plain CBD oil. And there are many good herbalists these days producing new strains of cannabis plants for, for, for medical use. And I'm all for that. And you don't have to get high, by the way, to get the medicinal effects. They've done it so that the medicinal tinctures have much less. I can never remember if it's THC or TCH. I think it's THC, but I could be wrong. But they have much less of the stuff that makes you high in them. Um, you know. The medical arm of the cabal, which we call pharma, made it illegal because it's cheap and it's safe and it's effective. And it's easy to grow in your own home. And it's easy enough to learn how to make tinctures from it. I'm pretty sure you can find a Cannabis 101 class um, anywhere in America. I mean, most maybe some parts of Texas you can't, but uh, pretty much anywhere. I have no problem with Mary Jane. Here in Oregon, it seems like we've got a pot shop on every street corner we probably have more pot shops than pubs and coffee shops and here in the pacific northwest that's saying something because we do love our coffee and we do love our craft beers so thank you very much for that question um you know uh, roll one for me 
I don't really do the getting high thing much anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll have a vicarious experience through you. OK, do we have more questions? I think we do. Let's just go for it and see how we do the time. This one is from a chap called Walter in Basingstoke in the UK. We've got quite a few UK people today. And Walter in Basingstoke asks, Arnie, do you think we will see ETs land on Earth and set up diplomatic relations with us in our lifetime? I am 56 years old and hope to live another 30 years. Huzzah, Walter, good for you. I'm 62 years old, and I also hope to live another 30 years or so. And my answer to your question is, yes, I believe we will. First, we have to expose and eliminate the New World Order, Luciferian globalists, and overhaul our entire infrastructure, government, military, financial, judicial, education, religious, agricultural, everything. And then we have to heal the people who are conned into taking this awful fake vaccine poison into their bodies. And then once we stabilize all of that, once the systems are streamlined, lean, mean, people-pleasing machines, once service, public service is understood, once sovereignty is understood, once mankind accepts how far from source it has veered, once all that is settled, we will see intergalactic diplomatic relations. And I, for one, really, really hope that I will be on the physical plane to see it and not from up above. There was something else I wanted to say about this. What is it? What is it? Oh, with regard to the same question, um, Walter, with the, with, with the ETs, in addition to what I just said, we, the people, need to reevaluate our relationship with Mother Earth in a specific way. And I'm talking in particular about her topsoil. In my day, old woman that I am, every home in suburban London had a kitchen garden and or a greenhouse or a patch in the local community garden. And the importance of this cannot be overstated. When we grow our own food... When we go to the garden or community plot and put that food in our bodies, we are bonding with Mother Earth. And then when we compost the stuff that we're not going to eat, we're feeding her topsoil, without which we would have no food. Without healthy topsoil, we would have no fresh food. It's a key factor in reclaiming independence from the state, the state that wants nothing more than to ship you food from thousands of miles away and distribute it through large supermarkets, making us reliant on their strategy of centralization. And guess what? If we piss them off, they can break the supply chain and starve us into compliance. Even if each family grows 20% of its own food, that will make a big difference. And surely, darlings, by now, after two years of listening to their propaganda, and with all the people waking up and realizing this agenda has nothing to do with health, but with totalitarian control, surely we can revisit growing our own food. It is a vital link in the journey to sovereignty, bonding with Earth, reclaiming our minds, our rights, and the end game, our end game, a small streamlined government based on libertarian principles. ETs need to see us respecting our home base. That's a huge part of them wanting to have diplomatic relations with us. Thank you for that question. Um, something I've wanted to address for a while, but haven't. Um, this isn't actually a 
a letter that I've got, but I, I've received a lot of emails around this subject. So I sort of put them all together. Many of the people who listen to this show and to listen to the Cosmic Reality um, shows, uh, they also follow Ben Fulford, Simon Parks, Real, Norm, Real Raw News, Collective Evolution, Alex Jones, you know, and all of that. Um, some of which are psyops operations, some of which are valid and some of which are actually rubbish. Um, but anyway, I received quite a few emails from peeps asking me to confirm or deny information posted on those sites. I have no problem with being asked that, but there's no way I can provide hard proof. If I could provide hard proof, I would be working for an agency, a government agency, a deep state agency, which would um, forbid my sharing. Um, so for what it's worth, I check my suspicions with three sources, boots on the ground, and that will be colleagues from my old days who still work within the establishment, information from ET contacts, and my 100% reliable other non-physical world source. And only then, if all of that resonates with me, will I share it. Now, I know some of you may remember, um, was it a year ago, two years ago, there wasn't last October, the October before, I don't remember. But I was on the Say What, uh, the Say what show with uh, Nancy Hopkins and uh, with Dolly, I think. And that's on Cosmic Reality Radio. And I announced that Putin had been poisoned, killed and replaced by a dark hat double. And I think I broke that news before anyone else did, even before Fulford and others hinted at a fake Putin. Now, I can confirm that the fake Putin has been taken out. And a new white hat replacement has been installed. And that makes me very, very happy. And the other one you're all um, jumping up and down about, um, well, primarily in England, I can confirm that Queen Elizabeth um, II, top ranking Illuminati and the darling of the British Empire and favorite monarch of older Brits everywhere is no longer with us. The old gal has gone. The current old gal is a carefully constructed double. Not sure how they're going to handle the upcoming 70th year Jubilee celebrations in June this year. I mean, will the truth be exposed before the Jubilee? Or will they go through the whole thing letting people believe it is the Queen? We'll have to wait and see. Read between the lines, people always. Do your research. And you'll find little tidbits here and there that have hinted that Buckingham Palace could be turned into a museum and um, all sorts of interesting things. You know, to those of you who think this is all outlandish, I agree it sounds completely outlandish when you spent your entire life being fed rubbish by <laughs> the state propaganda machine. Um, but, you know, I say just wait. We've been saying for over a year now that something big is happening behind the scenes, and I know that gets frustrating. I'm frustrated. But for the first time now in almost two years, I can confidently say that things are moving behind the scenes, and they are moving so fast, it's almost impossible to see it in linear time. It's akin to several games of chess smash being played simultaneously. And both sides, they have to make instant decisions on what the best move is that would serve their interests. And the other guys have to respond to it. And it's just mad and it's crazy. 
Well, I think we'll stop with the questions there. We had some good ones today. And thank you to all of our listeners for their letters. Keep them coming, my darlings. Our tribe of martini heads grows daily, and I can't begin to express how happy that makes me. And now, by popular request, <laughs> it's time for Tarot-A-Go-Go, a little what-the-heck or with your favorite tarot deck. Mine is currently the Robin Wood deck, and because it's pretty, like me, I use many decks, but this is a firm favorite. And today's card is the Eight of Cups. So let's take a look at this bad boy, and let's see what advice it has for us today. Eight of Cups, I see, well, eight cups, actually, isn't that a surprise? Um, on the ground, stacked on top of each other. And there is a figure in the background walking away from the cups, holding a staff with some decorative feathers, etc. on it. Um, what is the overall feeling of this? I mean, all of those cups are there and you're walking away from them. So you don't need the cups. And you don't need what's in the cups. So it's a bit of a change of heart, I think, is the theme of this. We're moving on. We're walking away from something. Um, are we uncertain about it or not? But, you know, he looks fairly certain. He's made up his mind. He's going to go away. Perhaps he's disappointed with the situation. Perhaps he's disenchanted. But either way, he's leaving. Um, he's turning his back on something. Um, he's rejecting. He is directing his energies elsewhere. It could mean something physical, but it could also be, you know, along the lines of um, cutting karmic bonds with people, moving away from people, moving away from difficult situations. Um, yeah, that's what I get from this. Um, perhaps I don't think it's sudden, though. I don't think it's sudden. It took him a while to stack up these cups. So he's been sipping from them going, eh, eh. Mm, mm, whatever. And he's gradually over time become dissatisfied. It's time to break loose now. Sometimes travel is part of the Eight of Cups, especially if it's with perhaps, you know, the chariot or another card that, uh, you know, shows a lot of movement. But I think it's fair to say that you're leaving something behind because it just doesn't have a place in your life anymore. Um, yeah, goodbye. All right, let's turn it upside down and uh, let's see how that changes for us. Oh, dear. All of the wine has fallen out of the cups and that's never good. Um, do we read this as something negative or do we read it as something positive? Sometimes the reversed can go both ways. I mean, first off, just looking at it in the reversed or challenged position. I say you refuse to move on. You may be stuck in the rut, but um, you're not going to leave for whatever reason. You know how people get addicted to their problems and their pain. But on another level, I think perhaps um, rather than leaving the situation with some remorse or some regret, but you know that you have to leave, that's the impression I get when it's in the upright position. When it's in the reverse position, I also get the impression that it could mean I'm leaving and hoorah. 
I have overturned the cups myself. Yep, I don't want to do it anymore. This is, yep, absolutely, goodbye. So it could mean one or the other. It could mean I'm leaving and I'm happy to leave it and I want everyone to know how happy I am. Or it could also mean I can't move on. I've got to cling to the past. I'm terrified of the decisions I've made in the past. I'm terrified of the future. I'm afraid to live. I'm afraid to die. I don't know what to do. Mm. Just going to say, if you get this cup, this eight of cups card, you know, of course, it you know makes a big difference where it is in the spread and what the other cards are, etc. But uh, you need to check your boundaries and you need to take a good look at where you are in your life right now and be prepared to let things go so that you can move on. So there we are, the eight of cups. All right. Well, that's it from Tarot A Go Go then. Let's see what we have. Um, we have a little time, I think. And a lady called Mindy, who's from Oklahoma, um, Mindy sent me some suggestions for the weird and wacky tidbits from the anus of history. Um, and her theme is American. And that's wonderful because we're Americans and this show is in America and it's all about being American. So let's take a look. A few little tidbits uh, she wrote here. She says, Arnie, did you know that most Americans, if you ask them what is the oldest city in the United States, they're going to say Jamestown. But that's not true. It's not. I thought it was. No, Mindy says it's not. It says she says Jamestown is the oldest English settlement. The oldest city in the United States is actually St. Augustine in Florida. And that area was originally claimed for Spain by that famous explorer, Ponce de Leon. And that was 1513. That's exciting, isn't it? And um, when did, I think the United States took over that territory by the 1820s. And so the oldest city in the United States is not Jamestown. It's St. Augustine in Florida. Who knew that? What else has she? She said, oh, Annie, I know you hate the Puritans. <laughs> Well, I mean, hate is a very strong word, Mindy. Um, but she says, did you know, as far as we know, that the first ever printed in America book was called the Bay Psalm Book, published back in 1640. And it was auctioned for $40 million in 2013 because there were only 11 copies known to be still in existence in the world. And this Baysarm book was published in Cambridge, Massachusetts, by the Puritan leaders of the Massachusetts Bay Colony about two decades after the pilgrims landed at Plymouth. So we know that the Puritans fled to the New World to avoid um, the domination of the Church of England and some of its nasty little practices that the Puritans considered to be far too close to those heretics, the Roman Catholics. Um, Puritans, yes, what an austere bunch of people. But religious scholars do say that the Book of Psalms is a more faithful rendition from the Hebrew version of the Psalms. Well, my Hebrew is not very good, but if I ever do learn Hebrew, I'll take a look into it. Thank you very much for that. And I think there is another little thing. What did you write to me? Oh, yes, s'mores. 
She says, Annie, I know you're always dieting, which means you always like food. Well, you're right, Mindy. Um, she says, s'mores were invented right here in the USA by somebody called Loretta Scott Crew in 1927. Um, and the recipe was published very first time in the Girl Scouts book. So congratulations, America. We invented s'mores, and that's something to be proud of. Um, and then she also says, here's another one. Did you know um, Niagara Falls was the first ever state park in the country? I didn't know that. But it was designed by Frederick Law Olmsted, who also designed, I believe, Central Park in New York City. Well, that is all very fascinating. And I, I thank you for that. Um, and there's a few more little tidbits that you have mentioned here. Um, but I can't get to them, my darling, because there's not a lot of time. Um, but I will save them for another show. So there we are. Oh, there is one here. Um, you know, Ani, she says, the American rivers are famous for being big. The Mississippi, the Colorado, the Rio Grande. But we also have a very small river that's only 200 feet long, and it is the shortest river in the world. And it's in Montana, and it's called the Little Roe River. I had no idea. And that's Roe, R-O-E. Well, perhaps if we get ourselves little rowing boats, we could have a little a little row on the Roe River. Thank you, Mindy. That was fun. And very kind of you to take the time um, to, to, to gather that information and send it to me. My darlings, we are coming up to the end of the show. How does this happen? It must be the quickening. I really do hope you enjoyed listening in as much as I enjoyed recording it, because this is the highlight of my life, darlings. I always have a blast. How wonderful. How wonderful to connect with like-minded people. We, the people, and share how much we care about this blessed land we call home, America. Today's real-life cocktail, and I'm very proud of this, was concocted in honor of the Canadian truckers, who not only sent pretty boy Illuminati toy Trudeau running scared into the arms of his Luciferian overlord, but they inspired a worldwide Reclaim Our Freedom movement. And in their honor, and in honor of all their supporters on location, and because it is so darn cold at the Canadian border right now, I present to you the Canadian trucker anti-tyranny whiskey hot toddy. Da-da! And here's how you make it. It has to be made on location, in the street. So I've modified the recipe so the truckers can get to it. Get hot water, warm up your mug, but keep the kettle boiling. When your mug's warm, throw out the hot water. In the mug, put two good ounces of Canadian whiskey. Put three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice and three quarters of an ounce of honey. And then slowly add the hot water, fresh hot water, stir it all up, sip it slowly, and it will warm up all your bits and bobs. And I personally like to add some freshly grated ginger to it, but that might not be available on the trucker front lines. Oh, Canada, we stand on guard for thee. God bless you guys. I love you all. Now, remember, folks, cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. If you use top quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. 
I'm Arnie Madshaman Abadissian. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are so grateful. Until we meet again, engage in mass non-compliance, kick the cabal in the nuts, and above all, my darlings, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini with Annie Abdesian, The Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com.